0: Folks, I hope you get the opportunity to meet Brian. We were honored to have him join our church family quite a few months ago, and he's been uh, strong in establishing Celebrate Recovery programs throughout the state. And he came up to me a couple of months ago and said, what do you think about having one at Capital City? And uh, it was an answer to prayer. It was really, really cool. And it's not just for addictions to pornography. It's basically for any kind of addictive behavior. Whether or not it's alcohol or drugs or uh, whether it's going to be a, a porn or even things like shopping and just other kind of things that are oppressive that you can't get by. Uh, some kind of a, a habit, a sin that is just stealing the life from your life. And we're gonna, you're going to be hearing more about Celebrate Recovery. We're going to be establishing this program here in the next weeks. And you're going to have a chance to sign up for that because I know a whole lot of people battle uh, with all different kinds of uh, struggles like pornography. And uh, so you'll be hearing more about that. Let's just bow for a prayer for just a moment. Father, for that opportunity, we give you thanks. For people to experience your grace, some freedom from our sins that we battle with so much. For Brian, we give you thanks. And now, Lord, we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen just three weeks as john said till easter guys i'm looking forward to that this Seder service he mentioned that i don't know if you're familiar with what that is basically it's a it's a it's an adaptation of a kind of a jewish passover service they go back and remember the exodus well jesus celebrated a passover service with his disciples right before he was crucified but he changed it he changed it from a passover service into the last Supper, the Lord's Supper service, and we're going to explain where the Lord's Supper came from and what it means. It's a it's a pretty rich experience, and we really need a number of people to step up and say I'm willing to have a half dozen, ten, twelve people in my home. Um, as kind of a setter host and we've got some instruction sheets that'll help you walk through exactly what that's going to require but that's going to be coming up on the 1st we're also going to rebroadcast it on the 2nd if you can't do Thursday then we'll make it available to you on Friday as well and then our Easter service guys and it's uh, it's it's so cool with the COVID numbers going down and with the uh, vaccines going up it's time for a lot of people to just get church back in their schedules, and so we're going to be pushing that for that real hard over the next several weeks. Here we go. There may be a few exceptions in the room, I doubt it, but I suspect everybody here has an irrational fear or two or three or four. Maybe being closed in or heights, snakes, spiders, classics, you know, maybe dentists and needles. Oh, I'm not sure fear of a dentist is an irrational fear. If someone were to poke at your fears, you might be willing to admit that perhaps some of your fears tend towards the irrational. I do hate needles, and I can give you my excuses. I was born breach, which means I came into the world mooning it. Damaged my neck. For several years I was in and out of doctor's offices, lots of needles, lots of pain. Till they finally did surgery when I was about five, operating about here and here, and so I could finally turn my head. That is so cool. But I grew up terrified of doctors and hospitals and needles, and I just throw in dentists because everybody should fear dentists. Do you hear about the little kid who was uh, terrified of storms? His mom was tucking him into bed when this lightning and thunder was shaking the house, and she heard the kid's shaky little voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? Mommy smiles and says, no, honey, I have to go sleep in daddy's room. Shaky little voice says, big sissy. (laughs) We fear things, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes not so much. The deal is that we tend to put our fears in the wrong order. Now, we've got all these irrational fears, every one of them with some cool scientific-sounding name. Here's a few of them, things like occluophobia. The fear of darkness, that's the one some of you guys were guessing earlier. Or aerophobia, the fear of flying, claustrophobia, the fear of confined spaces. I didn't used to fear heights. (laughs) I'm a little more cautious now. Pain can do that to you. Any of you guys connect with any of these kinds of fears that I'm going to talk about? How about the fear of crowds? Any of you are nervous about crowds? We've got them here in the church. They tend to sit up front sometimes. I'm not accusing anybody, but it happens that way, so they don't see all the people around them or the fear of being alone. Some people fear men, some people fear women, some people fear beautiful women, some people fear witches, but I repeat myself. That's humor. Fear of marriage, fear of teenagers, fear of children, fear of clowns, but again, I repeat myself. You connecting with any of these yet? Maybe the fear of being touched, fear of kissing, believe it or not philematophobia. How sad is that, the fear of kissing? Fear of imperfection, fear of failure. There's even a fear of being stared at. It's called scopedophobia. Fear of pain, fear of blood, fear of death, fear of dead things. Oftentimes moving into the irrational. Fear of storms, fear of dirt, fear of germs, fear of bacteria. I was just reading a couple of articles last week that during this pandemic, the fear of germs, the fear of bacteria skyrocketed. Some of the people are projecting that even more than half of our people now have developed irrational fears of germs. Fear of water, fear of gravity. I'm serious. There's a fear of gravity. It's called barophobia. Fear of the color white, fear of the color black, fear of colors in general. I'm pretty sure Steve Smith doesn't have that one. He's our worship leader, but he's colorblind, so I guess he wouldn't have the fear of colors. Fear of peanut butter. My grandson definitely does not have that one. Maybe the classic fears: spiders, snakes, birds, dogs, cats. Even the fear of ferns. I was amused by that one. The fear of ferns. It's called pteridophobia. Imagine that person would be mortified walking down the Appalachian Trail. So what are you afraid of? What are yours? I mean, even if none of your fears are irrational, what are you most afraid of? Now, if you have no fear of anything at all, you've got an issue. You're probably a psychopath or a sociopath or a fool, or maybe a redneck who's drunk. You know, hold my beer, watch this. Fear is one of God's gifts if it's kept in its place. Fear is a defense mechanism, an incredibly important defense mechanism in its place. So what are you afraid of most? Do you know that in the rather extensive list of phobias that I was working from when I was playing with this stuff, it did not mention the fear of God? There was no theophobia on the list. How sad is that? Here's an even bigger question. You see, if you're sane, you're afraid of something. The real question is, is there anything to you that is more important to you than your fear? What would you be willing to risk doing something terrifying for? Would you risk what scares you most for some person? Would you risk what scares you most for some thing, for some cause? See, I hope so. In fact, what are you willing to die for? Are you willing even to die a scary death for something? Dug around the internet a little last week. I was trying to look for some responses to exactly that question. A lot of sites ask that question. They get a lot of people popping in. Here's just a sampling. One guy wrote this. He said, at this point of my life, I can't think of a single thing I'd voluntarily die for. How sad is that? How empty his life must be. Another guy said this. He said, I wouldn't die for my family, my friends, or my country. Call me self-centered, but I'd allow another to die before me in almost every instance. I think self-centered is a pretty good word for it. All right? This response was a little more reasoned. He said this. He says, dying for anything is stupid. There's no point in willingly and certainly exchanging your life for something you're not going to be around to enjoy. Countries... Wives, children, friends, gods exist at my pleasure. They can all be replaced. There's no substitute for me. Isn't that an amazing response? Holy cow. Next one's a little bit more noble. This guy says, It'd have to be something pretty important. I'm not just going to die so you can smoke weed legally or something like that. That was kind of funny. You know, I'll die for something big, just don't make it too little. This one caught me by surprise. This one did. It really did. It says, the knowledge that there is no God, that we're on our own, but that's okay because we're continually making things better. Spreading that knowledge to all of humanity would be worth dying for. I'd be willing to die if I would convince people there is no God. Holy cow. How much hatred lays behind words like those. Another guy said what a lot of people think, a lot of you would probably say, God, country, family. I suspect he means in that order, and if that's what he meant, it's close. But here's the deal. You see, we've always known, people have always known that there are things more important than human life, right? You've always known that. There are things more important than human life. We've always been willing to honor those who are willing to risk their lives for some cause other than themselves. We consider someone who risks his life, her life, to save another person a hero, right? That's rightly so. We honor first responders, those who sign up to risk their lives in the protection of someone else. How amazing is that. We honor them, rightly so. We honor soldiers, most of whom would be willing to take a bullet for their cause, for their buddy, for their honor. One guy said, find something that you're willing to die for and then live for it. That's pretty good, isn't it? Because if there is no one or no thing that you would die for, it's sad. You're going to die. Why not pursue something greater than life itself? So, what are you afraid of? Everybody's got something. What's more important to you than your fear? In fact, what would you be willing to die for? Because, guys, this stuff is what courage is about. This is what bravery is all about, right? You've seen those signs that say, no fear. I hope they don't mean it. No fear means you're a sociopath, a psychopath, or a fool, right? What I hope they mean is bravery, courage. It means that there are things more important to you than your fear, willing things you're willing to risk because they're that important to you. In fact, bravery and courage require fear. You're not a brave man if you have no fears. You're a brave man if you have a fear and you do it anyway. The right thing. Courage means things more important to you than your fears. Fear means getting, fearing the right stuff, getting your fears in order. Go ahead, fear death. Fear God more. That's rational, that's sane, that's right. I'll show you. See, Jesus has been telling his disciples that following him could get hard, really, really hard, maybe even dangerous, And he wasn't just talking to 12 disciples, he wasn't talking just to a group of super Christians, he's looking out at a crowd like us, and he's saying, if any one of you, any one of us wants to be my follower, Jesus follower, you must give up your own way, you must take up your cross every single day, be willing to die if that's what it takes, and follow me wherever I take you. And Jesus says, are you in? I'm going to take you to a different place where Jesus says something similar. It's not exactly the same. It is similar. Jesus says this. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Huh. Which means following me might put you in that kind of a spot. He says, they can't touch your soul. Fear only God, who is the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, I don't mean to push back on Jesus. I I think this is what he means. I don't think he means that it's not, you shouldn't have any fear of pain or death. I think he means you should fear God more. Fear God more. Put your fears in order. Now, there's a couple of different ways you could actually read these words of Jesus. Looking at the Greek, you could translate it like this. He said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body but who can't kill your soul. But go ahead and be afraid of those who can destroy both. So I suppose you could possibly extend these words to someone who doesn't just threaten your body, that's pretty easy, but someone who threatens your soul. Because anybody who threatens your soul is way more dangerous than a person who threatens your body. We get that messed up. It annoys me when we're way more concerned about the physical safety of our kids than for their spiritual safety. How messed up is that? We'll go to great lengths to protect our children physically, even if it means putting their souls at risk. How messed up is that? You can see it this last year in our responses to this pandemic, protect their bodies no matter what it does to their souls. Really? It annoys me that we're way more concerned for the physical safety of our spouses, our parents, our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers than we are for their spiritual safety. We'll go to great lengths to protect people we care about physically, even if it means putting their souls at risk. Guys, that's messed up. Don't be afraid of things that can kill the body. Do be afraid of whatever can touch the soul, because the soul matters forever. You buy that? We're Jesus followers. We do, as Jesus followers, care about the physical safety of people we love. We work to protect that. We really do. We care about their spiritual safety more, way more. We care when someone is drawing those that we care about away from God. We care when someone is throwing stumbling blocks between someone we care about and God. But the words of Jesus probably mean something more like this. Don't be afraid of those who might want to harm you physically because they can't touch your soul. They can't. Fear God because He's the one who holds your soul in His hands. And your soul is way bigger, way bigger than your body. Fear God. A lot of people don't like that. You know, when Jesus says, Fear God. I mean, isn't love supposed to cast out fear? Perfect love and God's supposed to be perfect love? But what Jesus is talking about here is not antithetical to love. Listen, guys, you don't fear God because God is hateful and mean. (laughs) You don't fear God because God is this angry ogre in the sky who's trying to make your life miserable by hanging hell over your head. God is nothing like the worst of human fathers. You don't fear God because he's fickle, capricious, erratic, unpredictable. Maybe you never know what he really thinks of you. You're scared that you might tick him off, set him off somehow. You don't fear God because you're afraid that his grace is going to run out. I mean, I know that you've asked forgiveness for the same sin over and over and over again and you're wondering whether or not the next time maybe he'll just say no. Maybe someday he'll reach that point where he's just had enough of you and then you're hosed. No, we don't fear God because he's grumpy and mean. So Why? Why would you fear God? Why do you fear God? I'm scared of cops. I'm not scared of cops because I think cops are mean. I'm scared of cops because when I drive, sometimes, occasionally, every once in a while, rarely, I break the rules. A little. And for your sake, cops are out there trying to slow me down rather successfully. I want to show you this. This is a copy of my graduation certificate from traffic school. It's dated March 12, 2021. That's last week. Scared of my dad, not because he was a bad dad. My dad wasn't. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a really good dad. But I feared my dad because when I messed up, he took very seriously his responsibility about straightening me out, right? And he had the power to do it. I even feared my mom, not physically. I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to shame her because I loved her. And I fear God. I don't fear God because he's hateful. I fear God because he is perfectly good, and I am not. I fear God because he is perfect holy. And sometimes that's kind of scary to those of us who are not. I fear God because he is perfectly just. (laughs) The last thing I need is perfect justice. What I want is grace. Thank God he's that too. I fear God because he's supremely powerful, and I know that if I try to resist him, which I am prone to do, I know he will win every single time. I fear God because my God is not tame, but he is good. you fear God? There's this amazing scene in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is asleep on this boat when there's this fierce storm, and it threatens to swamp the boat, and the disciples are terrified. If you listen to Andy Stanley, he's kind of funny on this story because he thinks Jesus maybe is faking it. Maybe Jesus isn't really asleep. He's just got his head under the covers and his eyes closed, and he's chuckling inside, waiting for the moment. I doubt it, but it's still kind of funny. Disciples wake him up and the disciples are panicked and they're like, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? We're about to drown. What's wrong with you, Jesus? Jesus gets this glint in his eye and he kind of chuckles. He stands up and he says to the storm, shh. And the winds just stop. And it says there's this great calm. And the disciples, and then Jesus says to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Are you serious? You ever been in a spot when you thought you were going to die? And Jesus looks at him and he says, why are you afraid? And this is what's so cool. Mark says, at that moment, they were absolutely terrified. Now, literally, in Greek, they feared a great fear, a greater fear, a fear way bigger than the fear of a storm. Who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? Listen, guys, fear storms if you want. Fear people if you want. Fear pain, fear disease, fear death if you want. Fear God more. Fear God more. Fortunately, the one we fear most loves us most. How cool is that? So Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body, they can't touch your soul. They can hurt your body. They don't have the power to hurt your soul. You see, sometimes we forget that we are hybrids. Of all of the creatures of this world, we are the ones created in the image of God to do life with God. Of all the creatures of the world, we are the ones with both a physical body and a soul, a spirit. A body which is quite mortal and a soul to which God can grant eternal life. And the latter is infinitely more important. And we get all hung up on things that endanger these bodies, and we blow off things that endanger our souls. That's crazy. Caring more about your body than your soul is not sane, it's not rational. So, why would we fear whoever or whatever can harm these bodies more than we would fear the one who dictates the destiny of our souls? Doesn't make sense go ahead, you can fear people who can hurt you. Fear God more. And thank God that he loves you that much, right? John Calvin. John Calvin's an old dead guy. And other than the fact that John Calvin was a Calvinist, which I guess he had to be with a name like Calvin, that's humor. Calvin was a pretty sharp dude. Calvin said this. He says, When we come succumb to the fear of man, we show no respect for God. When we succumb to the fear of man, we show no respect for God. I think he was right. Never, ever, ever let your fear of men exceed your fear of God. That's what courage is about, guys. That's what bravery is. Putting our fears in the right order, fearing first things first. You understand. I hope that your soul is more important to God than your body. When he cares about your bodies, of course he does. He gave them to you. But we get it pretty messed up. God is more passionate about your spiritual health than he is about your physical health because one's eternal. We get that messed up, don't we? Which is why your holiness is more important to God than your happiness. I know that sounds weird. Happiness is temporary. Holiness will matter forever. Which explains some of the scenes in the Bible that bother so many people so much. Why would God order the destruction of people in the Old Testament? Just because, just because they're pulling God's people away from God. Well, if you put it that way, because holiness is more important to God than life itself. Because unholiness not only corrupts our physical life, it endangers our spiritual life. And God hates that because He loves you. And God will go to war against anything that's going to threaten what's best for His kids, as would you, I hope. Holiness is more important to God than life itself, and He wants holiness to be more important to you than life itself and me. So... What scares you? What scares you the most? Listen, whatever it is, if you fear it more than you fear God, you've got some work to do. What would you die for? I hope you die for something. But guys, if God isn't at the top of your list, you've got some work to do if you're a Jesus follower, don't you? So what if you actually believe this? What if you not only believed it intellectually, what if you actually tried to live this stuff out? What difference would it make? How would your life be different the rest of today, the rest of this week? How would your life be different going forward? Fear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Just fear God, who can destroy both in hell. Don't be afraid of those things that threaten you physically more than what threatens you spiritually put your fears in order. What does that look like to live that kind of stuff out? How would that change you? Would it change your personal priorities? I hope so. A lot of us get all personally worked up about diets and sleep and exercise, which is all good. Get all worked up about our health. We check our blood pressure and our heart rate and our cholesterol and our temperature, which is smart. Wouldn't it be amazing though, if we Jesus followers were equally concerned about the health of our souls? If we monitored that progress as carefully as we monitored the progress of our physical health. Our worship, do you actually worship God? Worship God every week, not just go to a worship service. Do you worship God every week? It's necessary for the health of your soul, isn't it? Whether it's in person or online, in person when you can. But in either case, are you actually engaging God? Are you worshiping God? Connection. We think it's absolutely critical to your spiritual health. You're not made to go it alone. We drag each other to heaven. It's not just about you and you and God. It's about you and your one another's. You need your one another's. Your one another's needs you. So you can challenge each other and encourage each other and lift each other up. Do you care about that? Are you, are you working on that piece? Are you growing? Are you monitoring your growth? Are you a different person spiritually today than you were a year ago? two years ago, five years ago? Are you stronger? Are you closer to God? Do you feel more intimate with God now than you did in the past? Are you spending time with God every day in prayer? Do you talk to Him? Do you listen to to God speak to you through His Word more than just when you come on a Sunday and listen to a sermon? Are you feeding yourself from the Word of God? Are you doing whatever you can to mature, to grow up? It would matter to you if you're not maturing physically. Does it matter to you if you're not maturing spiritually? And how about service? I mean, God gave you these gifts, He gives you these opportunities. And if you're going to be healthy spiritually, you're going to be using His gifts for His purposes. Are you serving? Listen, guys, if we took these words of Jesus seriously, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear God. Fear God. Would it change? Would it change your response to this pandemic? I mean, we get worked up, and I understand why. It's important. We get worked up about mass vaccine, social distancing, as that stuff matters. But that out of pale in comparison to your concern for your souls, your kids' souls, your friends' souls, your neighbor's souls. These bodies are gifts from our God, but they're temporary. Your souls are a gift from God and they are eternal. What would it look like if you took these words of Jesus seriously? Would it change the way you parent? I mean, what are you doing to show your kids that their souls are infinitely more important than their bodies? Are you modeling what that looks like? Would it change who you are at school? Would it change the way who you are at work, wherever? Because when Jesus says things like this, they're not words to be understood intellectually. They're words to live out. We're supposed to assess and to say, how can I make this who I am? We're Jesus followers. We make them more than words. Now, maybe you're not a Jesus follower yet. If not, let's start there. You see, we think that life, real life, abundant life, starts both in this world and in the life to come by kneeling and making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Have you done that yet? If you haven't, let's talk. Let's get it done. Let's start you walking down a different path. If you are a Jesus follower, it's time to assess is He really the one I fear most? Is He the one that I that I love most? We're going to sing a song in just a minute, and it's going to be about no longer fear. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer a slave to fear. But before we get there, let's just, let's just bow our heads and let's just talk to our God for a moment. Father, I don't know what what your spirit is doing in the hearts of the people in this room or the people who are watching online I know you're nudging people and I just pray that we will have the wisdom and the courage whenever you nudge us just to go with it we're never going to outthink you we're never going to devise a plan that is better than yours for us give us the wisdom and the courage to be children of God to be Jesus followers help us to taste the life that you built us for And if there are those in this room, Lord, that need to be making a decision for you right now, I pray that you give them the courage and the wisdom to do that. Not to leave this place without being changed. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.